Hey, it's Greg Stanley. As a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Today we have a great guest, Evan Schoen with RM Sotheby's. Evan, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you, Greg? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Well, today we wanted to talk a little bit about the Shift Monterey online auction that's occurring right now. Uh, I know we have a lot of cool cars online right now. What are some of your favorites? Huh. Well, it's uh, the ones. Uh, a couple that are my favorites are, are, are actually cars that I can sign, and they're my favorites because I uh, perhaps I know so much about them. Right. The first one that uh, that comes into my mind is the is the Porsche 916. Uh, it is uh, a car that I've uh, I've been following and, and passionate about for many many years. I've personally owned a Porsche 914 six in the early 90s, and uh, still have one in my garage today. It uh, it's always has been and always probably will be one of my favorite cars to drive. Uh, just super light, very very well balanced. It was a great car back in 1970. It's a great car today. So the 916 is the evolution of that car. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now tell us the difference between the two. So the 914-6 that has the six on the back, correct? Correct. The original uh, the original 914-6 has had a two liter, a six cylinder two liter, and the uh, the 916 has a six cylinder 2.4. They made some other uh, additions or, or changes. Uh, uh, the the coachwork in the car is is much more extensive. Uh, they're fixed roofs versus the Targa style roof that's in the 914 and 914.6. They made, you know, they're insulated. They're much tighter setup uh, with relative to, you know, chassis, uh, chassis structure, uh, the fortitude of the chassis. Um, it, uh, and, and they're just super, super rare. Uh, you know, there's 11 in total that were ever made. There's one prototype and 10 production cars. I think back then Porsche really had to look at what was their future. And and they determined, and, and properly so, I think, the 911 was their future. Uh, this is a car that can certainly perform right alongside a 911. And maybe I'm biased because I, I love to go around turns, but uh, I think uh, <laughs> it might be a, a superior platform being mid-engine versus rear. Uh, however, they did make that choice. And the uh, the 916, it really looked like it was going to be, if they went to production with it, sort of 1.5x of what the cost of a 911S would be. So instead, I think they, they really used it to develop the 73RS platform with the 2.7. The first three 916s had 2.4s, then they did move over to the 2 point seven for the for the remainder of the production and that was the same motor that went into the RS. Yeah, and just for our listeners' sake who might not be familiar with these Porsches is the base nine fourteen, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's typically a, a fifteen to twenty five thousand dollar car. The nine fourteen six can hit up to eighty to a hundred thousand dollars. And then the nine sixteen is nine hundred to a million dollars, correct? Yeah, the uh, and I, I think you're being conservative, but yeah, there's some uh, examples of each uh, that have exceeded those estimates. But generally speaking, that that would be a fair fair appraisal of the market. I know that Brutus, the prototype uh, nine sixteen, um, which was unique in its own way with a much bigger engine and a few other things. I think that sold for just over a million in dollars this past spring. Um, I know of a private sale that occurred at a million. 
uh, or right right about there, um, maybe maybe just a little bit more uh, of a 916 that uh, resides here in California. And so yeah, that appears to be the market today. Uh, where it goes from here, I don't think anybody knows for sure, but it uh, you could make a case why it's a positive a positive outlook or a positive horizon. Right, right. Okay. Well, what are some of the other cars that either you can sign or ones that just caught your eye during this auction? Well, I really, really like, I'm sort of a Ferrari guy, even though I'm talking about Porsches, but uh, I, I really like the uh, the white Lusso. Um, that seems to be just a great, almost original car that, that somebody could jump in and enjoy and drive now. I really like the 275 GTS. I think that uh, that appears to be a, another just beautiful car. There's uh, that 73 uh, uh 911 S, uh, another winner. Uh, that car is phenomenal. Uh, and then I've I've also fallen in love with the uh, the 1965 275 GTB short nose. Um, that car I've had the uh, good fortune to have put about 200 miles on recently. Um, it oh, went nice. through it. Yeah, and it uh, oh it runs like a Swiss watch. It uh, it has gone through a recent open checkbook restoration uh that was phenomenally well done the paint is excellent the interior is excellent the motor is excellent it runs and drives great and interestingly greg i've you know it's still breaking in the more i've driven it the faster it gets the crisper the gear changes are it just it's it's really you know coming into its own so whoever gets that car they've really got something they've got a car that they can they could show if they want uh they could rally if they want uh, they could do anything they want with it. Uh, I think it's uh, it's instant gratification, and it, it ticks all the boxes. It's numbers matching. The gearbox was changed, I think, back in 1966. It may have even been changed before it left the factory. I'm not positive on that, but uh, right. uh, just just a great, great car that again somebody can take on a thousand mile rally tomorrow, or they could show it the week after. Or both. Right, yeah. Okay, so you taught, you touched a little bit on some German cars and some Italian cars. Uh, I do know there is some American muscle in there. I saw a really nice 66 427 Corvette. A beautiful, I believe it was type type of maroon color with tan interior. Then a 65 Shelby GT350, which is one of the most iconic Mustangs of all time. Are there any American muscle cars that caught your eye? Or just American U.S. spec cars that have caught your eye in this sale? Believe it or not, I really like the Chrysler 300G. I think that those cars are sort of, it's my observation that, that not everybody knows how great those cars were. So that's that's kind of the one that, that has caught my eye. I think there's a pretty good Duesenberg in there as well. Yeah, there's a very nice Duesenberg. We have a really cool VW van, the Hang Glider Transporter by Pete Brock. Now, I watched this on Jay Leno's channel a couple months ago, and I guess Pete Brock was a, a big-time hang glider, so he made a custom van just for that purpose, which is also in the sale which is kind of cool. The last car I'd like to mention is one that I have personal experience with, and it's a fairly new car, and I think it speaks more to the future trends of the collector car hobby, and that's the 2000 Acura NSXT. This was a pretty cool one because it's one of 21 in Monaco Blue that's doing really well. Are you seeing a transition from one generation to the next? Absolutely. In fact, I, uh, I had a, for years I had a 97 uh, NSXT, and I, I'll never forget I, I bought it for Thirty-seven thousand dollars. I drove it for three years, and I sold it for thirty-seven thousand dollars. Nice. <laughs> uh, and I was, I, which is you know uh, that most cars you can't do that with. And I, I drove the wheels off of that thing. And I always 
you know, comment that it's a Ferrari when you want a Ferrari and it's a Honda when you want a Honda. Uh, super, super reliable, very well engineered car. I love them. Uh, and I, I remember when the, the original NSXs came out, we were able to, I belonged to the Motor Press Guild at that time, and we would test all of the new cars at Willow Springs every year. We'd have two days to, to basically play. And uh, that car back then was was very, very special. And I actually remember after that I went to work at Lamborghini, and we had an NSX at the factory. Lamborghini had bought that car for a reason. Right. Um, they were looking very, very closely at that technology back then. Uh, and it's, again, still a, just a great, great, great car. And I think that in the case of the NSX, it, it finally just got to the point where they enough people that loved them, they, they fell into the right hands over time, and and uh, and that market firmed up. Uh, there was not a lot of excess inventory at, that began about a couple years ago, and, and they continue to, to do well, very usable. But, yeah, the, uh, there definitely appears to be, you know, a, a much younger audience. I think that a lot of the online platforms or the fact that there are online platforms that are so accessible to everybody all you need is a heck all you need is a cell phone and you can read and download content and and feel part of a a culture a car culture i think that now that it is so accessible to everybody to young engineers to young you know people kids coming out of college and and it's motivating Uh, you know uh, if you're a car guy or a car girl and you see your future in front of you owning a specific car, whatever it is, you know, it's motivating and, and, and it's attainable. Um, so, yeah, we're seeing, I'm seeing a lot more energy uh, in that, that segment of the market. And, of course, it is newer stuff. Uh, and that makes sense. You know, what, what were you looking at or dreaming about when you were in college or in, when you were in high school? And that's always been the case. That's, you know, years ago it was 57 Chevys, then it was mid-60s Corvettes and on and on. What, what is your dream car? So the dream cars, the audience being younger, their dream cars are, are newer cars. I really like what's happening with a lot of the special uh, German cars, the AMG cars. There's an E60 in the auction that's uh, exceptionally good. Those are super, super rare cars, and they're popular. And they're popular with people in their, in their 30s. They know what they are. They've taken the time to study and learn about them. They realize how special they are. Alpinas, things like that. I think that uh, that's sort of big wave for, for things to come. Well, now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the Shift Monterey online auction that's occurring right now? Just go online. Check it out. rmsotherbees.com. It's all right there. You can do it from your phone. Now, let's uh, learn a bit about your collector car taste. Now, you mentioned before you have a 914.6 in the garage right now, and you used to have an Acura NSX. What is your history with cars? Like, what kind of cars really get you excited? Is there anything else cool in your garage that you would like to mention? Well, I, I worked for uh, I worked at the factory Ferrari store for 12 years, so to say that I don't have an interest in uh, in mid-engine Ferraris would be would be dishonest. Uh, I really do. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the 430s, uh, the 360s, the 355s. Um, I love 550 Marinellos. Uh, it's not only mid-engine, but I, I really do like the cars from the from the 90s up and, and up to today, but uh, those are the cars that I worked with a lot. Um, I have a 430 Spider currently, which I love. I dream about getting a 
a 16M. I think mm. that for me, um, occasional track days, very competent, capable car that's still somewhat analog is a good fit for me. But yeah, I, I, that's my that's the one I dream about right now. I, oh, I had a GTC4. I've had several, you know, 360s and 430s. Right now, I have a Maserati uh, everyday car as my Maserati uh, Gran Turismo right. 2013 MC, which is just a wonderful everyday car. I've had a Quattroporte. They're really fun in the turns, the front mid-engine. They're reliable. They, they make all the right noises. Right. And then, then my 914.6, which is basically a 914.6 GT clone. I call it a clone. Uh, it was transformed back in the early 70s, upgraded to a 2.5. The original 2-liter was punched out. It dynoed at 247 back in, I don't know, wow. 1975. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for an 1,800-pound car to be putting out that kind of power. And what I love also about Porsches is the fact that you can bolt on Porsche technology without hurting the value of the car. Um, so you really can't upgrade your own car in a way that's respected. I guess, for lack of a better term. And that's, uh, again, just a super capable little car, 930 brakes, RS suspension bits up front, upgraded suspension all around, good rubber, short gears, except for fifth. So it's a overall just super capable car. Where we live here in Northern California, there's some wonderful, wonderful roads. We can really, you know, let them run. Lots of great turns. And so if you like to go around turns that, uh, for me, anyways, that's a, that's a very gratifying car to, to use on a regular basis. Now, I do want to know, what was the first car you ever owned? And then, <laughs> let me ask, actually, let me ask two questions. What, what was the first car you ever drove when you were learning to drive? And then what's the first car you ever owned? The first car I ever drove that I really remember was my mom had a, uh, a Mercedes 220 diesel stick. That's the one that I used to sneak out of the garage on a regular basis. I think I was 12 or 13, constantly in trouble uh, for doing just that. Anything with a motor uh, usually got me grounded and got my uh, my dirt bike locked up by my dad until, <laughs> until I paid restitution. Uh, and then the first car I ever owned was a 1967 uh, Barracuda. Wow. With a 273 commando motor in it, I paid a, a, a sum of $90 for that car, uh, which was all the money I had at the time. And uh, I used that for about a year, kept it running. You know, I was always uh, uh, helping it along one way or the other. And, and fortunately, uh, you know, I, I grew up in an environment where you worked on your own cars and you figured out how to fix them. And my dad was an engineer and he was great with motors, so uh, he, he helped me keep it running. And uh, but that was that was my first one, and that was uh, I still I still would like to have another one of those someday, uh, except in much better condition. Right, right. <laughs> That's the way it goes. <laughs> well, now I probably know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. If I give you a hundred thousand dollars, what would you buy with it? Right now, I think I'd probably buy. Another Porsche GT4, 2016, um, or the Boxster version of that, the 2016 Boxster. I think bang for the buck. Uh, those are just incredibly competent, great, great cars. Uh, they handle so darn well. 
uh, I can't think of anything that really is out there, even for three times that amount of money, that is as good in the turns. Um, I had a 914, uh, excuse me, a, a GT4, uh, which I got new back in 2015, 2016. Uh, broke it in at Thunder Hill. Uh, put about 16,000 miles on it before I sold it, and frankly, I, I miss it. Uh, a really, really great car um, that can embarrass, again, embarrass uh, cars that are three or four times as expensive. Well, that is not the, that is not the answer I expected, so that was good. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, one way I like to end these is to play a little game I like to call Keep, Cash, and Crush. So basically, I'm going to give you three cars, and you have to pick which one to keep forever, which one to cash in, and then one to send to the crusher. So it's meant to be painful. Everybody seems to sweat this a little bit. If you don't sweat it, it means I did not do a good job in picking the cars. So <laughs> uh, I I just picked these kind of on the fly based on the conversation we just had. So I'm going to pick for you a 911 RSR, a Whoa. yeah uh, 916. And this is pretty cruel. And a Ferrari F40. So they're all somewhere around the million-dollar price point-ish, uh, I guess you'd say. Um, so, again, that's a 911 RSR, a 916, and a Ferrari F40. So which one would you keep forever? Which one would you cash in? And then which one would you send to the crusher? I would – I'd have to keep the 916. I, that was one of the cars that got away. Um, wow, this is hard. Uh, <laughs> the RSR is such a significant car. Um, I would, I would have to cash that one in and believe it or not, I'd have to send the F40 to the crusher because there's enough of them out there still in the world, uh, where, uh, it wouldn't, uh, on a, on a historical level, it, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't hurt the, uh, it wouldn't hurt the overall horizon for the F40 and the F40. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. You're playing the numbers. There's enough of those out there that if one somehow ended up in a crusher, the world would not end, correct? Whereas the 914 or 916s, there's what, 11 of them? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can respect yeah. that. Great. Well, awesome. <laughs> Evan, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining the Collector Car Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for the call, Greg. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. <laughs>